Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast, where each week we talk with the writers and editors of the Peninsula Pulse to find out about the stories that you can find in this week's issue. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Deborah Fitzgerald, writer and editor for the Pulse. How's it going, Deborah? Great. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing really great. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. Uh, you're going to be a pretty familiar voice for people in the next couple of weeks or two. Uh, Miles is out. Uh, he's celebrating the birth of his child. Yes. So. What's up with that? You take off work when you have a baby? I know, right? <laughs> uh, so congratulations. Congratulations, Miles. We'll see you back when we see you back. Uh, but you were on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, kind of an introductory lesson. So if people haven't heard that one before, I would go back and check that out, get a little bit of your backstory. But you, you've you joined The Pulse this month, and uh, you have taken on a lot of the writing and a lot of the, the new stuff. So you're going to be my new window into what's going on in the county. All right. It's pretty exciting. Well. I hope I can live up to that expectation. Oh, I'm sure you'll do just fine. Uh, Before we jump into some of the COVID-19 related news updates, there's a couple things from last week that I just wanted to go over kind of briefly. Uh, The the first one is that the Door County Fair is being canceled this year. No surprise that that that's being canceled. Um, Another one of those big events that people just, you know, it's hard to to imagine gatherings that big right now. So makes a lot of sense. Anything about the Door County Fair from your perspective, Deb? Well, I think um, what was really evident was how difficult of a decision it was for them. Uh, the county fair takes an enormous amount of planning, a year-long amount of planning. And so we know it was a really difficult decision. There are a lot of people involved, and we respect you know, how difficult that was. But right. they'll be planning for next year. Right. So. So this weekend was Memorial Day weekend. Uh, It was a busy weekend, a different weekend than it has been in years past, but at least seemed kind of familiar. I don't know if you got out into the county at all. I I went out a little bit, uh, got some takeout, that kind of thing. It was kind of refreshing to see people out and about, but also a little strange (laughs) after not seeing anybody outside for like two months. Right. But uh, also over the weekend, there was a condo fire in Sister Bay. And I actually heard about this from our Slack channel. Uh, we were sharing pictures and talking about it as it was happening. We had Solomon up there and Miles were there kind of taking pictures and figuring things out. Um, nobody was hurt in the fire, which is good. Do you have anything to add on the fire? Um, it's still under investigation. And uh, apparently the there's one of the condo units. It was a two side by side. And one of the condo units um, was a total loss. The other did, they had to, uh, Fire Chief Chris Hex said that they had to destroy the ceiling in the other one. Um, So that's not a total loss, but he said there was nothing suspicious about the fire and they're just continuing the investigation into it. One thing that I thought was really interesting is the Sister Bay Liberty Grove Fire Department posted a video on their Facebook uh, with this new slogan that they have. I think it's like close before you doze, Mm -hmm. where they showed why it's important to close your bedroom door when you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So it was a walkthrough of the condo that was on fire and the main area was completely destroyed. The roof was burned off and everything. But then they go into the bedroom and open the door and it's basically untouched, mm-hmm. right? There's a little bit of damage, but it's totally fine. Uh, it was really interesting video. You can see it up on their Facebook page. We're also including it in this week's Door County Pulse weekly update show. So you can see that today as well. Uh, I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, and one last thing before we jump into more of our, our COVID-19 updates is uh, before we started recording, you told me about a new broadband initiative, which is my favorite thing to talk about on the podcast. So I'm excited to hear about this. What's going on with high-speed internet in Door County right now? Well, it's actually not a broadband initiative. It's a uh, it's amendments that are being sponsored by the Resource Planning Committee, the Door County Resource Planning Committee. And the amendments are actually to the 
Tower Ordinance, which regulates various aspects of towers. Uh, one of those are, would be high fixed wireless broadband towers. And fixed wireless broadband towers are only being constructed by one company in Door County, and that's Door County Broadband. In the past, the county used to exempt towers that were 125 feet or less. Mm. And so that enabled a company like Door County Broadband to construct a tower without expensive regulations. The state changed that in around 2013, 2014, and the county changed its ordinance in order to remain in line with the state regulations. So the RPC uh, over the years has uh, taken a look at um, amending these based upon requests from people who are interested in, in having the ability to at least get this form of broadband. And so they sat down with all of the interested parties and they're the RPC sponsored some amendments that are designed to make the regulations uh, less prohibitive financially for a company to construct a fixed wireless broadband tower. Um, because Door County Broadband is not constructing any more towers uh, in areas that are governed by this county ordinance. Right. So that's what they're going to be looking at, is these amendments to the regulations that are designed to, to make it less expensive, and yet really the interested parties want to be exempt as they once used to be. Sure. So, so, so what does that mean moving forward? Does that mean that it's going to be easier to build towers? Do you think you'll see more towers going up or, or different companies coming in and trying to build towers? What, what, what do you see as being the, the future of this? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, and this is a public hearing next week. And so they are just taking comments. And of course, the, the Door County Board of Supervisors would have to, you know, uh, approve anything that came out of there. But it's really hard to say because uh, a company like DCB wants to uh, wants exemptions because it's too expensive. I don't know that the uh, that the population is actually large enough to be able to invite competition for at least fixed wireless broadband. That requires, uh, you know, enough subscribers to be able to put up a tower. So most of the county, as I understand, and this is a number of between 80 and 85 percent, has already been, you know, taken by the charters. And so the, the fixed wireless broadband, that market is probably 15% of the county. And so you have to think of when you put one tower up, you know, how many subscribers are you going to get that's going to be able to, you know, afford that. Right. Is there anything on the books right now about your towers having to look like a big weird tree or is that just the one over in <laughs> Bailey's Harbor? <laughs> no, I don't believe that that's in the code anywhere. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, interesting. I, I wonder what the future of this is. Of course, broadband is always my hot button issue up here. Um, we haven't talked about it a ton on the podcast for obvious reasons over the last couple of months, but um, it is, it's something that is kind of underlying for a lot of different things. So especially as people have been working from home and students have been going to school online, it becomes a bigger issue. Uh, when Gibraltar was looking at doing e-learning, they surveyed people and they found that a, a portion of their student base didn't have reliable access to high-speed internet, couldn't actually take advantage of the e-learning. And now we've seen the entire student body have to find a way to do it in a time where libraries were closed as well. So uh, it just, it kind of spearheaded that issue in a way, but I don't think that we had the resources to really look into it when we were dealing with everything else. So it, it, it's still top of my mind. I 
I'm hopeful that things change in the next couple of years, but I've been saying this for a while that I've been hoping that things change soon. Well, awareness does actually help the issue. And we're doing right now a survey of all of the school districts in Door County to find out what they actually learned when all of their students had to rely upon some form of internet access. Right. So now more than ever, they have a really good handle on what is available for their districts. And so we're doing a survey on that right now to, you know, kind of build awareness on this. Cool. All right. So we have new numbers today. Of course, these numbers will probably change by the afternoon. They usually update around two o'clock. It's 1130, give or take, when we're recording this right now. Uh, Can you give me the numbers in Door County as they stand right now? And then maybe we can talk about the numbers in the state as a whole. Okay. Um, The numbers right now are 38 positive, and that's out of 1,445 tests. Uh, There are 18 people recovered, and it's held pretty steady at three deaths. And I guess there were 1,218 negative tests, and they have right now 189 tests pending. I think the most surprising number for me is the number of tests that have actually been done in Door County. Uh, I know that we've been following this for a long time, and we've known that testing has increased quite a bit, but it, it is surprising to see that high of a number being tested. I'm glad that that's the amount that's being tested. The more testing, the better. But I think that that was my more surprising takeaway. Yeah, and that's going to increase because uh, next week is when they're anticipating um, opening up a National Guard testing site. Hmm. They're working on that. They're, they were hammering out the details of that yesterday, actually. So the test, the testing site is, is at this time tentatively uh, going to be a, a drive-through site. It would be located at the Justice Center. And Dan Kane, the emergency management director for Dora County, said that they anticipate being able to take up to 400 tests per day. Hmm. So that testing site will only be there temporarily, but it will allow them to get an enormous number of people tested over a short period of time. It won't cost anybody uh, anything. It's a free test. But you do have to present with some symptoms. So you would have to be self-reporting a headache or, you know, um, one of the, there's a lot of symptoms that go with COVID-19. So they're not going to be checking to make sure that you actually do have the symptoms, but you do need to present with some type of symptom. Right. It's not just, you you might be curious to see if you've picked it up. You You need to actually feel like you're sick in some way to go get the test. That makes sense. Right. So that's supposed to be coming next week. Right. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what public health has been doing over the last couple of weeks? Miles and I have been watching Sue Powers and Dr. Jim Heiss report on Mondays on the Door County Medical Center Facebook page, uh, but you found out a little bit more about how how they've really been dialing in into COVID-19, and that's kind of all they're working on right now, correct? Right. That was, that was you know, really, it's always kind of the surprising thing um, to hear, but Sue Powers said on Monday giving an update to the County Board of Supervisors that um, they are doing absolutely nothing but COVID right now. So any of the other programs that operate out of her office um, have been put on hold as they deal with this. And it's increased exponentially, she said, what they need to do for contact tracing and with more people around and and more things open, then the need for that kind of work is only going to increase. 
So they, she said they're constantly trying to increase their capacity, but I can't even imagine what that must be like in their office. Right. Well, I'd have to imagine it. It's, it's more so now than it was before. Like one thing that we, Miles says all the time is like, we went through the easiest portion of this in Door County over the last couple of months when most things are closed anyway. Uh, the weather's not great, so people don't want to get outside anyway. It was really the perfect time of year for something like this to happen. But now we're past that. So now now things are going to get harder and harder. And there's going to be a, a need for more testing, more treatment, all of that kind of stuff as we've opened back up. And, and I think we won't see the results of this weekend for another couple of weeks, right? That's that's the thing about this is that you don't come into contact with the virus and then feel sick the, the next day. It mm-hmm. can take some time. Most people say you can be asymptomatic for up to two weeks. Some people don't present symptoms at all and are able to spread the virus. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think that we'll see the results of this until two weeks from now. But I would say that we might be starting to see the results of the safer at home order being lifted right about now. I know that Today or yesterday, Wisconsin had the biggest jump in cases that it's had this whole time. And if you look at a graph of the the percentage positive, we are going up. I think we're at somewhere around 5% positive right now. So I, I think we're starting to see indications of the safer at home order being lifted prematurely right now. Right. Or, you know, and there, I think, I want to say that it was 18 states where the cases were increasing. And it seemed to me the the states with lower populations overall, but also populations that rely upon, you know, visitors and tourism. Right. Uh, Speaking of the Door County Board of Supervisors, they have extended their emergency declarations, correct? They have. Okay. What does that mean? Um, Primarily, it it means that uh, they're able to continue to track their expenses that they're using for COVID-19, for this public health emergency, uh, with an eye toward getting reimbursement later on. So, you know, it gives them other authorities and powers to be able to handle things during a public emergency, uh, you know, without having to call the whole board together to make some decisions on some things. Right. It gives them the ability to do things, but it doesn't intrinsically mean anything right away. So, like, the county is not closed for the emergency declaration, right? Um, The no... No regulations or anything have been passed as part of this. It is just a way for them to keep track of their expenses for reimbursement later. Correct. It's mostly a a bureaucratic move, actually, um, to be able to have things in place for, you know, during a public health crisis. Right. Um, They also passed an ordinance that affirmed or supported what the public health officer in the county already has as uh, authority under statutes. So this kind of came out from or arose really from the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Safer at Home. And that kind of threw municipalities and counties, you know, into a position of wondering what that meant for them. Right. So this ordinance that they passed on Monday simply affirms what the public local public health officials authority is and the target uh, orders that they can actually issue. So that was just another um, bureaucratic thing to have in the books, but it actually comes with, you know, some real actions that could right. be taken. 
Right. Yeah, that was one of the big things, too. Like right after the Safer at Home order uh, was struck down, you saw many counties choosing to extend their local Safer at Home orders only to resend them the next day because they didn't know if it was lawful for them to do it and they didn't want to face a lawsuit. Uh, Door County, of course, extended theirs for a couple of days afterwards in spite of all of this. Uh, but it, it is good to have that clarification because... You know, as, as everybody knows, this has been confusing for everybody. When when you don't have the, the top-down regulations in place, when you don't have leadership from the, the state level or the federal level, it gets confusing for people at the local level or at the municipality level. So right. it's good that clarification is out there. Yeah, it is. And, and that these things are already in statute. But when you lay them out and say, you know, this is what they are and this is, you know, what we support, then it just puts them out there for the public. Right. One last thing that we want to talk about. So I've heard rumblings and seen some concepts of uh, an idea that was proposed for Sturgeon Bay, for Third Avenue specifically, about um, allowing businesses to kind of expand out into the street a little bit, uh, even potentially closing down through traffic on weekends so that restaurants could have expanded seating outside and retailers could have expanded uh, shopping experiences outside to turn that into more of kind of like, I don't know, I guess you'd call it like an open air market or something like that uh, as a response to social distancing, right? Uh, many of the businesses in Sturgeon Bay, especially on Third Avenue, are smaller uh, retail spaces. So being able to expand their outdoor seating would allow them to kind of make up for the loss of seating inside. Uh, can you can you walk me through this this concept a little bit and where we stand right now? Well, it was a concept that was presented to the Parking and Traffic Committee yesterday in Sturgeon Bay, actually. Oh, what what is today? Thursday. So that was Tuesday um, in Sturgeon Bay. And that committee ultimately decided that it wasn't a good idea. So there were basically two components to it. And one of them was that a business could decide to expand using the parking space in front of their business either as a pedestrian walkway and have their tables or retail merchandise on the sidewalk or have their retail merchandise on the parking spot and allow pedestrian access in between. There were uh, several businesses that showed up at that meeting that were not supportive of it. There was some support of it. The Sturgeon Bay Police and Fire Department showed up and, and were not supportive of it. Um, entirely. And so the committee decided to send it to another committee. And that committee will take a look at it next week and decide whether or not they want to proceed with it. The second component of that was to close Third Avenue. And that was an idea that was floated if enough of the businesses actually did want to apply for the expanded parklet space then maybe it would be a good idea to close Third Avenue. That drew even less support. Now, so, was was that mostly on grounds of like traffic and parking issues? Parking issues, largely parking issues. And so it is going to the safety committee in Sturgeon Bay, and um, they're the ones that are going to take another look at it. So if it were to become a reality, then it would need to move out of one of these committees and go to the Sturgeon Bay Common Council. Right. So this committee will take another look at it next week and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, it's an interesting proposal for sure. Like I can I can definitely see both sides of it in terms of a parking standpoint, because, of course, you want to have handicap access mm -hmm. for these businesses. If you close down Third Ave, you're going to have to have people walk. But then my question is like, 
there is parking. I believe it's mostly private parking behind businesses as well. So I guess maybe there's a potential to open those up on the weekends. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's an interesting idea. I, I, I also think it's interesting the stories of different cities closing down some of their streets and then just having them for pedestrian traffic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that's really interesting. I think a, a push towards more greener transportation has been an interesting side effect of COVID-19. So this, this was something that I thought was unique. Uh, and was kind of exciting. It was unique, definitely, for this community. Um, It's not a unique concept. There are other communities, even in in Wisconsin, I think in Stevens Point, they adopted something like this last year. And their experience has been that no business owner has actually applied to do it. So it isn't a new concept, but it is definitely a concept that is probably being more introduced in light of especially restaurants needing more space. Right. Yeah, and it, it always comes down to parking. Um, yes. That, that's something that people talk about whenever a new business or a new hotel especially is proposed for for a, a different community up here is that where are we going to find the parking for this? Parking is so scarce already. Uh, but then you have to think about like, well, maybe we need more handicap parking but less overall parking. Encourage people to walk more. Because like in the cities, it's not – a weird concept to park a couple blocks away and walk where you're going to go. Um, It's a very, I don't know, maybe Midwestern concept Mm. to like want to park right in front of, or like my dad would drive around the parking lot to get the closest possible one, even if it meant five minutes of driving around the parking lot. (laughs) So like in the same time it takes you to find that close parking spot, you could have just parked anywhere and walked over there. Right. So now, now that is not to say that, you know, we shouldn't have handicap parking. I think that we should have expanded handicap parking, but maybe less overall parking and encourage some more, you know, walking to your destination. Right. Well, it's not a dead concept, but you know, it is still going to a committee. And so it could still, it could still live. We'll right. see. But anything new does take some time to work out the kinks in it and to get people, you know, comfortable with the concept. So Right. Is there anything else that has come out this week or anything else that's coming out in the Pulse tomorrow that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about today? Um, I think we just about covered it, Andrew. Cool. We do have a, an issue coming out Friday. Uh, this is going to be, what, your third or fourth issue that you've been working on this so will, far? Yeah, this will be my fourth one, but I, I don't really count the first one because I was still so dazzled and confused. Right. <laughs> That's I don't really count that one, so let's call it three. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I thank look forward you. to chatting with you again soon. All right. Great. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.